Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. I'm an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. And I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It means so much to me. I hope that through myself and my guests, I bring you a whole lot of joy, some new perspectives, and some mind-blowing information. And speaking of blowing my mind and hopefully yours too, this week's guest did that. You're going to hear it (laughs) at some point in the interview. I basically just told her to just keep going, keep talking, keep sharing her information because it was so good. Before I tell you more about her, let me remind you about Soul Magic Sessions. Tina Olson and I are having so much fun making magic and magic is meant to be shared. So we're here to share it. So here's what happens. You bring something that you're feeling blocked on, stuck on, maybe someplace you're feeling lost in your life or business or relationship. And we use human design and theta healing to make magic, get you off the struggle bus and into pure sparkle. So I use human design to help you see your light and remember who you are and fall back into alignment. Tina uses theta healing to clear out all the unconscious beliefs that could be holding you back. And we're talking unconscious beliefs of yours and of your ancestors. This stuff is absolutely wild. Plus, Tina and I are both certified professional coaches, so any conscious beliefs, oh, we'll just get them out of there. This is 60 Minutes of Pure Magic. And we are having so much fun in these sessions. Please join us. We created this and we are doing this to change the world and to impact humans. And that all starts with you. You absolutely positively do not need to struggle. You are here to experience ease and flow and joy and abundance and magic. So head on over to kelseyabbott.com slash soul dot magic to book your session. Now let's talk about this week's guest. Her name is Melanie Weller, and she's the world's leading expert in the opening the door to health, performance, and innovation through the vagus nerve, the bridge between our narratives and our physical experience. She's a storyteller for the human body and also a high priestess, as you will hear her say. Melanie has an extensive background in stress management, chronic conditions, and people who haven't yet found success. She now focuses on strengthening the leading edge in businesses, speakers, entertainers, athletes, artists, and medical professionals. This woman has a brand new perspective and shows us how the universe really, truly is within us. I hope you enjoy this episode and remember kelseyabbott.com slash soul dash magic to book your soul magic sessions. I love you. Go forth and be awesome. Melanie, you were just telling me this recapping the myth of Osiris. Can we just start there, please? Absolutely. I, this is such a relevant story for everybody and has so much to teach us at so many layers. I'm going to give you just the uh, abridged version here. So in the myth of Isis and Osiris, Osiris was the king of Egypt. 
And Osiris's brother Set was jealous and angry and really wanted to be king. And so Set tricked Osiris into laying down in a bejeweled coffin, had his soldiers shut the lid, nail it, and send him down the Nile River to his death. Osiris's wife, Isis, found, about, found out about this and went and retrieved the coffin, Osiris's body, and took him to a cave. She breathed life back into him. Well, Set found out about this and was furious. He tracked down Osiris and chopped his body into pieces and scattered those pieces down the Nile River. Isis again found out about this and went and found all of Osiris's pieces. She took them all back to the cave and put him back together. She was able to find everything except for his phallus and for that she made him a new one. She brought him back to life long enough to conceive their divine child Horus. And then Osiris went on to be king of the underworld, which for the Egyptians was where all life cut came from and where all treasures were found. And we use dismemberment metaphors in our language all the time. We say we can't get it together. We're falling apart. Our lives are shattered. Our hearts are broken. We'd give our left arm for something that we really desire. And everybody in that story of Isis and Osiris probably thought Osiris's destiny was to be the king of Egypt. His true destiny was to be the king of the underworld. And he literally had to come apart to come back together in a new way. And that's a very universal story. And really, in all of my experience, helping people through their stress and trauma, and in my own experience as well, that's the gift of trauma that's the initiation is to because you can't be the same person that you were before and it helps you find your true destiny whatever you think you were supposed to do i always thought i was supposed to be a highly credentialed physical therapist i have a lot of letters after my name that i've collected over the years and i always wanted more i still don't have a phd <laughs> there's things that uh i uh you know, still in my logical mind think would be really nice to collect. But really, I am most powerful and most magical and uh, happiest and healthiest when I show up as the highly credentialed high priestess. And when oh, I, <laughs> yes. And that's really who I am at my soul level. And when I show up like that, even if I'm in a very clinical setting or around of people that are very heavy into the sci science, when I show up like that, magic happens all around me. And it's so fun. And that's, you know, and I've learned over the years to even walk like her and run like her and to really embody her at this deep level. And I know what she wears. And I know the detail of the stitching on her robe and, uh, I had a friend that had a dream about me recently where I was on stage walking down a set of stairs in a cabaret outfit, 
you know, a, a bodice with a, a corset with a big blue top hat. And I was like, oh, maybe that's what she wears under her robe. <laughs> is that is like, I could see she's got a stage side to, you know, you know, that she's got that cabaret outfit underneath all of that. And she's got riding boots onto like horseback riding boots on. And so like, I have this really clear vision of what she looks like. And that has helped me personally so much with my own stress and my own presence in my life and uh, stepping really fully into my own gifts. And that's an exercise I take a lot of people through as well to figure out what their soul looks like, their inner being so that they can show up fully as themselves. I love this so much. When did you learn? When did you first meet the high priestess? Mm. I would say maybe eight or so years ago, I was in the throes of my own midlife spiritual awakening. And I had a uh, few friends that I would go out to dinner with once a month that were also very intuitive. And so we would talk about, it was our safe space to talk about whatever we were perceiving. And one of them sees auras. And he told me, he said, well, Melanie, your aura is purple. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he, he may have said a lot of things. What I heard <laughs> was that it meant royalty. And I was like, oh, I'm the queen. I can totally relate to that. Like that was an easy thing for me. And so when, and, and in envisioning that, what I realized is that I'm the only person that can take off my own crown and that I get to take up all the space like that I need to take up. My cape, my big royal cape gets to be all fluffed out and that I always have to dance with other people's energies, but I do not have to shrink. And I had historically really been a shrinker. And I ended up using this very effectively in having hard conversations with other people or even conversations with my mother, because <laughs> sometimes those are, you know, for a lot of us, those can be hard conversations. Yeah, those are the next level too. ones. Right. And so not very long after this, uh, I had a, a tense conversation with my mother. And after I hung up the phone, I straightened out my crown and fluffed up my cape. And I felt so much better after I did that. <laughs> like it just centered me and calmed me back down. And going forward, I was able to make sure that it was all in place before I walked into a conversation. And it always helped things go so much more smoothly. And now I don't fear confrontation the way that I used to. And I know I can stand fully in who I am. And uh, it's really helped me embody my self-worth at a deeper level and to really trust that the universe has my back because mm -hmm. you're the high priestess absolutely right do you know your human design profile i do i'm a two four generator mm-hmm so and hermit, hermit opportunist is my favorite description I've ever found of myself anywhere. <laughs> Wait, why? Well, because I, I, I recognize that I, like, I like to talk on stage, you know, I like to give, to have that kind of 
presence piece, but I recognize also I have to have that recovery time to go, mm-hmm. you know, to hermit back up. And so it's, you know, and I think for, uh, it always seems sort of like, a. um, I think in my, it was all that those two pieces of myself were kind of difficult to reconcile. Yeah. You know, cause it's like being an extrovert and an introvert at the same time. Mm-hmm. The world yeah. sees you as an extrovert, but you see yourself as an introvert. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, I had my personal health system done in human design too. And that completely blew me away because my ideal location is on a shoreline, Mm -hmm. uh, but kind of an artificial shoreline. And I've always been between science and wisdom and myth and medicine and kind of bridging these two things. And it's felt like such a lonely place because you're not really in anyone's camp. And it was so validating to go, oh, the shoreline is my place. Mm -hmm. That's such, I love that. that perspective on the, I think it's called the artificial shoreline. There's the natural shoreline, which just means you belong on where the water meets the land. Mm-hmm. And then the artificial shoreline, which yes, it's where other things intersect. Yes. And so that just, you know, that made so much sense to me. And I ideally take in nutrition in uh, environment of sound and my ideal view is one of power. And when, and my reader just put it so beautifully, she said, when you have all of those things lined up, Melanie, then your highest expression of yourself is helping activate the shaman warrior in others. Oh, the shaman warrior. And that's such a fair description of what I do. You know, she didn't know me from any, you know, Mm -hmm. anything before. So it was really incredible to have to be seen in that way by somebody that Mm -hmm. doesn't know you. That's what human design gives us. I love looking at people's charts and knowing their soul before I meet the actual human that goes with that. Absolutely. And when uh, I use human design and I can tell the longer version of this, uh, of this story, but I've created a form of energy medicine to really treat story in the body. And I, talk about it a lot through the lens of Western astrology. But one of the things I did in the process of this, when I was first introduced to human design and saw a chart, I was like, oh, I want to know how that feels in the body. And so I would pull people's charts up, you know, or see what was going on in their body. And I could intuitively pick which channel was blocked, look it up in the book and ask them about that. And they'd be like, yeah, that's exactly it. And then get that energetic channel moving in their physical body. I've, I, I actually have no words, but I have experienced the same thing with myself and with others. Yeah. It does all match up. I actually, um, Tina, my friend Tina and I had a session with someone yesterday where we unblocked her genius freak channel, which is in the cervical spine. Yeah, absolutely. We all have a physical expression of our internal narrative. Mm-hmm. And an internal expression of our physical narrative. And so, you know, and that's really what we're all trying to do is match our internal worlds to our external worlds. Yeah. So you've said, I don't know, you've said at least once since we've been recording that weaving of science and wisdom. First of all, I think it's really interesting that we think that we think that the two aren't the same. 
Absolutely. Because isn't what we think of as wisdom or the woo, isn't it just the older science? Oh, it so is. And uh, so my, uh, my superpower, I would say for my whole career has been really helping people with those spiritual underpinnings of their physical dysfunction. And very early, I've been a PT for almost 25 years now, and I was an athletic trainer before that. So I've been working with people's bodies for a long time. And the, and I love that just that, like what makes, you know, what caused this to happen in the first place, you, you know, like really asking, and I would say I, I have the Y channel. Uh, what is it like the 64 or 62 yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, so I never outgrew my inner three-year-old that wants to know why everything happens. Mm -hmm. I have it too. <laughs> and I, so I ended up working with very complicated chronic pain patients and people, you know, and others that just hadn't found the answers that they were looking for very early in my career. And in uh, working with those people, I ended up really focusing on the vagus nerve very often because you get very you get these really far reaching effects. So the vagus nerve goes all the way from your brainstem down to your pelvis, and it gets compressed where we have horizontal structures, the base of the skull, vocal cords, diaphragm, pelvic floor, for example. And like somebody can have uh, limitations at their ankle and their knee, for example. And if you decompress the vagus nerve at the base of their skull, it very often, like it will dramatically improve even all the way down to the foot and toes. Yep. And so I was, the game I always played is like, what one, two or three things can I do to make 10, 20 or 30 things better for these people? And what I realized in working with them is that what was happening inside of their body was also playing metaphorically out in their lives. And Caroline Meese's Anatomy of the Spirit really helped me get some clarity on uh, why that happens. She correlates the seven sacraments of Christianity to the seven chakras to the, uh, I think they're called safe roads, to the Kabbalah. Mm -hmm. And so um, to create this structure. And in, and so then what happened is I was, I had branded, had my own practice after we moved to New Orleans, I branded myself as a stress management expert doing vagus nerve decompression. And then when my life turned upside down in all areas, I ended up taking a step back just to like, cause I knew I was kind of, uh, putting a square peg in a round hole. Like I had my science part of myself and I had the woo part of myself. And I had started to experience being able to do mediumship for people. Like I'd start speaking in metaphor. You know, I thought I was speaking in metaphor and they would be like, you just described my grandmother in the outfit we buried her in. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh. <laughs> and so I, you know, I took some mediumship courses. And so trying to figure out how to reconcile the woo and the science really mm -hmm. just smacked me in the face hard back then. And one of the things I discovered is that mythology was a mode of scientific writing. So that story of Isis and Osiris was the way they communicated the, cosmo communicated the cosmology. Sets had 72 soldiers shut the lid on Osiris's 
coffin and the earth rotates one degree on the ecliptic every 72 years. And so there's other numbers from the processional cycle that are in that story. And my first reaction as a PT was like, oh, well, the earth is at a 23 and a half degree tilt. What's 23 and a half degrees from the midline? And the opening where your vagus nerve exits the base of your skull is 23 and a half degrees from the center of where your spinal cord exits. And just from my biomechanical knowledge, like I know that normal foot rotation is 23 degrees and normal rotation at the first and second cervical vertebrae is 47 degrees to each side. And there's also 47 degrees between the pole stars that the earth points to over thousands of years. And so there's all of the, you know, so I have the, like, I immediately had a list of angles in my head, just from my mechanical training. And beyond that, uh, sh shortly after I, I had been reading about that. I did an, a free online stress management class and I ended up talking a lot about the ventricles in the brain and the ventricles in the brain make cerebral spinal fluid. And I have a favorite picture from one of my anatomy books that is a compilation of MRI images to give you a 3D picture of what the ventricles look like. And I thought after that, I was like, oh, I'll go snap that picture and put it on social media. And I've showed it to people many, many times over the years, because I just think it's such a cool image. And this time when I opened it, I realized that they look just like the ram's horns in Aries. And in astrology, Aries rules the head. And having just been really looking at how mythology was a mode of scientific writing, I was like, oh, where's the rest of it? And sure enough, it works this way the whole way through the body. The way your hyoid bone in your throat sits on top of your larynx looks just like the symbol for Taurus and Taurus rules the throat. And your aortic arch is the same shape as the symbol for Leo and Leo rules the heart. And your kidneys sit in your low back like a set of scales and Libra rules the kidneys. Wow. And... So these stories really tell us about our anatomy, and I think they really offer clues about how we hold stress in the body. And medically, we know stress is 75 to 90% of all pain and disease, but nobody really talks very deeply about what, what that stress really is. And I find that stress lives very prescriptively in your body. And your vagus nerve is that bridge between your story and your body. When your story is trauma, your vagus nerve gets dialed down and it interferes with your ability to mediate inflammation, with your ability to mediate pain. It limits your physical range of motion and it contributes I mean, based on the research, you could extrapolate that it uh, not having your vagus nerve function well contributes to even heart disease and diabetes. Is the vagus nerve also, as you're talking, it sounds like the vagus nerve is also our connection to the universe. I think it is. I think it's the archetypal, uh, I think it's our internal Laniakea supercluster. And the Laniakea supercluster is the... Uh, our Milky Way galaxy is one little teeny part of the arc of the Laniakea supercluster. But if you Google that, it looks very, it, it absolutely looks neural. And it's, uh, to me, it just always screams vagus nerves to me. <laughs> it's 
So I, so I think it really holds our, you know, it holds our cosmology. It's kind of that framework on which our soul sits. And I think from an intuitive sense, I think your vagus nerve is really, uh, uh, like a well-functioning vagus nerve also allows you to be very intuitive, you know, and from a very structural level, because your vagus nerve innervates your heart and your gut. And we know that we all have a gut brain and a heart brain, you know, and those are terms that are out there in the medical and psychological writings. You know, you don't have those if, without your vagus nerve. All right. You're putting so many pieces together for me right now. I had this experience two years ago. I, I'm a triathlete and at nationals. Well, actually like right before, like two weeks before nationals, I was running and all of a sudden I got like shooting nerve pain on my heel, not plantar fasciitis. Like, mm -hmm. cause I went to town rolling my plantar fascia. <laughs> it was in great shape. Um, then like, you know, did all the work. I was in the PT office every day before nationals, still shooting pain, didn't really know what was going on. And at nationals, when I ended up walking most of the 10K, I just had, I had this experience of soul tears. They didn't actually flow out of my eyes, but it was like this, you know, when you're like, you're crying so hard that you, you gasp for breath. Yeah. It was anytime I felt like I was about to start crying instead, it would just be like a gasp for breath. And I just knew, Oh, this is a soul lesson. This is like part of a soul upgrade. Absolutely. Well, and so I've turned this into a form of ed energy medicine that I use with clients and that I've started teaching, uh, other healthcare professionals and, um, healers as well, you know, this is just the way the cosmos is coded into us. Like we have, we all have a ram, a ram in our heads and a bull in our throats and a lion in our hearts. And we use these expressions even in our language, you know, that we say we're, you know, people are lionhearted or bullheaded or right. we lock horns, you know, or, and uh, Pisces rules the feet. So your feet are like your archetypal fish. Hmm. Fins. And so, and your kidneys, uh, you know, sitting in your low back, like a set of scales that in the United States and other countries as well, scales represent justice and the populations with the highest levels of kidney disease also have the highest levels of social injustice. That's fascinating. And so we really deeply embody this on a collective level. And that to me means that social justice reform would lead to less uh, lower incidence of kidney disease. Right. You know, in Chinese medicine, your kidneys hold fear and in astrology, they're ruled by Libra or, or in Venus, which would be love. So they're that love's fear spectrum. Mm -hmm. And when your love and fear are out of balance, it shows up in your kidneys. Mm -hmm. Oh, just keep going. I don't even know what I want to ask you. Just keep going. Keep dropping the wisdom, please. All right. Um, a woman's reproductive system looks very much like a scorpion. Scorpio rules the reproductive system where the vagina is the tail, the uterus would be the body, and the ovaries would be the claws. 
And Scorpio is the only sign that also has, uh, uh, has three archetypes. It has the serpent, which is perhaps the male phallus, and then it has the phoenix, you know, and we create something from nothing, you know, we're all created from our pelvises, you know, mm -hmm. we rise from the ash, you know, from our parents' pelvises, you know, it comes just like the phoenix rising from the ashes. And um, Saturn rules the bones and your long bones, especially are organized in little in concentric rings. So, you know, when you, if you were to like cut your thigh bone and look at it, look downwards at it, you'd see all sorts of concentric Saturnian rings to it. This is all so fascinating. I am just floored right now. Yeah. It's so, well, thank you. It's so, it's like, this is so fun. And I'm really like, I really want to get this out there on the bigger scale. It's so obvious to me that I, I've talked to some really experienced astrologers that have never heard anything like this before. And I have to believe it's out there somewhere, but hmm. I don't, it's certainly not getting leveraged for healing, you know, and for transformation. Because that's your job. That's my job. Yes. <laughs> that's why I came here is to bring all of this back together. And um, let me see what else can I pull through. Leo rules the spine. So if you think about, we talk about like having a backbone, mm -hmm. you know, or think about lions being brave and things like that. Um, Gemini rules the lungs and arms and Gemini is the sign of the twins. So I like to think of your arms kind of like your identical twins and your lungs are like your fraternal twins because you've got two lobes on one side and three on the other. And the symbol of Gemini between the, uh, your thoracic inlet, like across your collarbones and your diaphragm. And then vertically you have your aorta and inferior vena cava. It makes the Gemini symbol in that area of your body as well. Is there anything like, where do the symbols for each sign come from? Are they just constellations? They are not, you know, that's a good question. I don't have a, an exact answer for that. They are not the same shape as the constellations, but you do have intracellular structures that are the same shape as the constellations, like adenosine triphosphate, ATP, that's the energy made by the mitochondria in our cells is the same shape as the Aries constellation. And cytoplasm mm -hmm. is the same shape as the cancer constellation, which is basically a water molecule. And so there are correlates in terms of the constellation shapes that way. And you can treat, I use uh, that as a, I integrate that into my energy medicine as well. And this works across different paradigms as well. Like uh, if you look at the underside of the brain, the cerebellum and the brainstem forms Ganesh, the Hindu deity. And so this isn't, and if, and even in with back to the kidneys, like you can use the Egyptian story of Mott to talk about that part of the body too. And so it's not limited to just one you know, to just the Western astrology paradigm. I find that it works, you know, you can really make this, you know, that, that a lot of mythology systems seem to 
fit in with this. And I think at the end of the day, the only rule we ever follow is as above, so below. Mm -hmm. As within, so without. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I'll say the other thing that I really like to think about is, um, is your diaphragm is your personal earth. Because Mercury, like, well, certainly we don't get to be here on earth without our breath. Mm -hmm. And Mercury rules your intestines, rules Virgo, and your lungs with Gemini. And so Mercury was messenger to the gods above and escort to the underworld below. And your heart sits on top of your diaphragm, just like a sunrise or a sunset. I recently saw a, like a, a, a dynamic, like I think maybe it was an echocardiogram or, you know, image, <clears throat> dynamic image of uh, imaging study of that. And I didn't even realize that your heart sat so much like on your diaphragm. I didn't think it was that close, but it was really cool to to see that. And so I think thinking of your, your breath as your, as your personal earth, and we are systemically so dysfunctional in our diaphragms. Yes. And in our breath and, you know, just, you know, from a, just a very clinical level, like just because you're, just because you're breathing, doesn't mean you're doing it right. Mm -hmm. And I find that I treat a lot of people that have, that, that have a breathwork practice that, you know, do conscious connected breathing or holotropic breathing or yoga and, and their rib cages are immensely dysfunctional. And those practices are not solving their rib cage dysfunction, which is really interesting to me. They're clearly trying to solve it, which is why they're attracted to breath work. Right. So in how the, do we solve first that place. rib cage dysfunction? Well, so in, I, I think we have to think bigger about alignment in all humans, the right side of the diaphragm has more muscle mass than the left. So theoretically, the right side will always win. It's just part of our inherent asymmetry. It our liver is over on that side and the liver's much bigger than you probably imagine it is. And so the body just lays down more tissue in response to the surface, you know, to the uh, stimulus that it gets. And so when you have two big surfaces together, it's going to lay down more tissue that way. And so I see a lot of people that are locked down to the right, that they're a little bit right rotated, you know, a little bit right side bent, they're compressed on that right side. But the earth below us and the solar system above us, I'll rotate the opposite direction. So I think when we're locked down to the right, we're literally resisting our own expansion in an ever expanding universe. And I think that's really the root of all of any disease or any trauma or any uh, pain of any kind, limiting beliefs, you know, you name it, it's resisting your own expansion in an ever expanding universe. In human design, depending on which way you, when you're looking at a chart, which side you decide is right and which you decide is left, mm -hmm. um, in the spleen. So that's on the left of the chart, but mm -hmm. if you flip it around, one of the gates in the spleen is it can be thought of as fear of being your highest self. Mm. In other words, fear of your own expansion, fear yeah. of your own bigness, fear of your own connection with the universe. Oh, I, absolutely. I think that's such a common fear that we're 
so much more than anyone has ever taught us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even when I talk about myself as a, a high priestess, in Siberian shamanism, they have seven spirit twins. And they would say that you have one that you're primarily wired for and, you know, and maybe a secondary one, but it's the healer, magus, teacher, warrior, protector, messenger, and executor. And really, you are all of those things at every level. You are everything at every level. Like I, when I step into being the teacher, I tend to do that through the door of the high priestess, or at least wearing her, you know, dressed, I step into the teacher door dressed like the high priestess. But I'm still being everybody's advocate and executor and messenger, you know, like there's so much more into that. And even down, you know, our atoms, atoms are like little teeny universes Mm -hmm. themselves. And I like to think that you have a, you know, like a, an electron for every chakra, an electron for every planet, (laughs) and you have all of those things at every level so that because the separation is really, um, you know, that keeps us stuck in that Osiris wound. It keeps us from coming together fully in that new way. And the Egyptians, in Egyptian creation mythology, one of the first things that's mentioned early in the story, that like a tomb was, uh, the, is the creation god, and he was lonely and it talks about knowledge, wisdom, magic, and truth. And I think those are essentially the cardinal points. And we, our modern society really values knowledge, wisdom, and truth, but not so much magic. And I get the biggest thrill. It's such a privilege to be able to help people in such a magical way and to take people that have had longstanding problems and get them better in a relative, you know, sometimes in one or two visits, you know, my favorite reaction is when they get up off a table or, you know, or I work with people remotely also, but at the end, and they're a little confused about where their pain went, you know, and you can see they're wrinkling their brow. Like they can't, you know, cause like they start to move and they're like, well, what happened? This is different. And then they get angry because they can't believe somebody didn't figure this out sooner because they had, mm-hmm. they've been around the block a number of times. But all of the leading pain science experts and the research in that area tells us that the difference between acute subacute pain and chronic pain is that chronic pain gets stuck in your limbic system, which is where your emotions are. And you need an emotional key to get it out of there. You cannot logic yourself out of your limbic system. And they love it when people cry or get angry because they know they're going to get better. Mm-hmm. I've known, I, 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 for years I've said I'm really good at making people cry, <laughs> but it was, uh, but I didn't, like, I was really excited when I learned the science behind, you know, that there's good science to support that that's, you know, like I, like I encourage people to let those emotions move, you know, because they, I know they're going to get better Yes, if they do. So thinking like backing up big picture yeah. to really oversimplify things. 
to heal in order to heal, the people need to realize that they are one with the universe and with the collective and with the earth and with everything and that their whole body is one whole. Absolutely. You are always synchronizing. Our our heart cells are always synchronizing. They synchronize with each other. They synchronize our hearts like synchronize with the hearts that are around us. You and I are even synchronizing in this mm -hmm. space. And the research shows that when solar and space weather disrupts the electromagnetic field of the earth, it's measurable in our vagus nerves. That is so cool. It's super cool. <laughs> like this is literally, a, and so if you imagine that with your vagus nerve innervating your heart, that it's creating the electromagnetic field of your heart, which is a measurable thing and it's a toroidal field what does that mean like it's a it's a donut shaped field basically okay and but like it's like when you uh you know when somebody comes up to you and you can know kind of know how they're feeling mm -hmm. or you walk into a room and you like it feels great or it feels terrible that kind of thing. that's all processed through our electromagnetic field and there's research to support that and when uh and so to imagine that like you know we're like little earths <laughs> running around there that you know heart sitting on top of your diaphragm your personal earth is generating its own electromagnetic field and it's playing off of what's happening with the electromagnetic field of the earth and astrologically like we know that astrological events affect us on individual and collective levels yep I think looking at astrology through history is one of the most potent ways to really validate it because the, you know, there's the story is, it's always there and you're living it, whether you realize you're doing it or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, full moons affect all of us differently. Um, I follow, I worked with an astrocartographer a few years ago who sends out emails he's been talking lately about how things astrologically right now are similar to how they were in, in 1936 election so looking at the astrological chart of usa yeah mind-blowing yeah no i've seen some similar things as well and it is it's always mind-blowing and it really gives you just so much you know, we all tend to be stuck in our small stories rather than out in the big, you know, in the big stories. And, you know, and I think that the, like when our stories are really limited, you know, it, that shows up physically in our, in our bodies that we, and I'll, I'll tell you from a measurable standpoint, it shows up as very limited rotation. And you have to be like some of it, you can test yourself. Some of it is really helpful to have someone else do that knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Isolate certain joints like C1 and C2. And, but because we're all cheaters, like we'll all take yes. the path of least resistance with movement, <laughs> you know, but like the, so the math of the cosmos is rotational. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wanted to bring this up because you're a, a triathlete and one of my, the things that I haven't quite figured out exactly why this happens, but I will sometimes teach a, uh, an upper body rolling exercise where I have the client lay on the floor 
and roll from their back to their stomach in a specific way. And the people that I've treated that consistently cannot get from their back to their stomach are injured triathletes. Where are their arms? Arms like above. So one arm, one arm is up. So you can roll in that direction is above head. The other one's pointed towards the ceiling and you start with your head, you know, and, and your legs are just along for the ride. Your lower body's along for the ride. So you don't use the lower body. But one of my good friends used to be, uh, she was the Navy's representative to Ironman for many years. And I sent that to her and she's like, oh my gosh, I can't do it either. <laughs> so this it's is really fascinating funny. because so I was in a car accident in 2004 impact to my right iliacus though, how that has shown up for me has been, I've been like the last three years, I've made massive strides in healing my rotation, but it was, so I'm guarantee I could not have done that three years ago. Yeah. And when we finish this call, I'm going to find out if I can do it now. <laughs> yeah. I'll send it to you. The, uh, and I'm happy to, to stick it in the show link. If you want to put it yes. in the show notes for yes, other people please. too, I'm really happy to do that. Well, and so nobody gets injured or traumatized and has really great arm swing when they walk, we all lock up. Mm-hmm. And so rotation is the first thing we give back and we don't always, or first thing we give up and we don't always get it back in the way, you know, or don't get it back soon enough. And, you know, I, there's some caveat to that. Like when people have really severe disc issues and things like that, you have to be really careful with rotation. You know, you have to use a lot of discern clinical discernment in certain situations to do that. But I think we have to have this bigger understanding of how rotation lives in our bodies to really offer us the ability to expand and to get into flow. So when I talk about those horizontal structures in the body, like your diaphragm and vocal cords and pelvic floor compressing the vagus nerve, when, you know, especially like in terms of your diaphragm and pelvic floor, it's not just compressing your vagus nerve, it's compressing your arteries and veins and organs, you know, your esophagus, like things, structures that go through the there as well. And if you don't have flow internally, you can't have flow externally. Mm-hmm. And that's very consistent with the Chinese medicine concept of chi mm-hmm. and how chi moves through the body. You know, like it's like the systems, you know, I find that this thought process doesn't really compete with other things. It just helps expand our understanding. You know, it makes whatever, like when I've trained at other people in doing it, it doesn't like they're still doing some of their other tech, you know, it doesn't wipe out everything that they know. It makes what they're doing better. It, you know, it gives this extra level of awareness and these compression points show up, not even just in our bodies, but they show up in our businesses. Like when your Aries is compressed on your Taurus, if you want to think of that as the vagus nerve compression at the base of the skull that you have your head on your throat that your heroics and your desires are at odds with each other. And you're maybe being the hero in someone else's story at the expense of your own, or you're satisfying everybody else's desires at the expense of your own, or you're not clear on what you desire, or you're being the hero and you're not being the hero that you are, that you came to be, you know, like there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot to dig in there into how that plays on, but there's, but they start your heroics and your desires start when they're operating at the, one's operating at the expense of the other. That's a problem. 
and that shows up in leadership and businesses. It impairs your vision and vision is critical to good leadership. So one of my goals is to take this even beyond the body and take this into how organizations work and even as a model for public health and other institutions that we have, because I think that the, because the only rule we ever follow is as above, so below. And when we can work with that rather than out of alignment with it, we will, we can make ourselves all organically healthier. I've worked really hard over the years to get people better as fast as, po as possible and to try and put myself out of business in treating illness so that I could just go treat wellness and performance. Yes. <laughs> you are so built for right now. I feel like when your soul made the commitment to come here, it was like all in for 2020 <laughs> and beyond. Thank you. I've had one of the patterns I've had. I always get information about 10 years before it's out in the masses. Mm -hmm. I've been screaming vagus nerve compression into the wind for a long time now. And so now there's so much more about the vagus nerve in the media and in research, but nobody on a big scale is really talking about it from a mechanical perspective that it could get pinched or compressed or that it can, you know, I would say that people that are in severe trauma, that their vagus nerve itself is severely traumatized because it's compressed at all of the horizontal structures. And I can pick out suicide ideation in a second because of this, that has a very specific mechanical presentation in the body. And I would love to partner with some people to, you know, to really research this because I've seen it enough. I know it's a thing. And we know that the psych in the psych research, it overwhelmingly says that talk therapy doesn't work unless you combine it with a body practice, mm -hmm. you know, whether that's yoga or acupuncture or massage, you know, but you have to have some kind of bot somatic therapy in there as well. And I think you can literally take and measure it. And, you know, when we see people that die so unexpectedly from suicide and wonder why that happened, I can guarantee you that was showing up in their bodies. And how does the vagus nerve get compressed? Well, mostly, so it passes, most of the tissues in your body have contractile properties to them. So you, like your diaphragm can get tight. And so it's going to, your pelvic floor can get tight. Your vocal cords can tighten your cranial bones move. They're not truly fused. So you can get distortions there. Fascial myofascial tension can create those limitations as well. But I find from the fascial standpoint that and this just may be my skill set that it's just, like it's faster to address the vagus nerve compression points than it is to address the fascia itself. Mm -hmm. That the fascia is almost reacting secondarily to these to where the flow has been dammed. That makes sense because right? nerves yeah. nerves control everything. They control everything, absolutely. Yeah, and treating the nerve is hands down the fastest way to get anything to change. And by the time you, you know, I would say that where, while I value mindset techniques, I think that when people really change their mindset, they change their body set. They're not changing 
just their mindset. Because by the time even information gets to your brain to where it's measurable, it's already come through your electromagnetic field and through your vagus nerve to get up there. And that's the part that I really wish we had better measurement tools for. Yeah. It, I, I actually just heard that um, it's going to be a while before we can measure that because it's not supposed to be measured. It's supposed to be understood Yeah. and grasped. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Well, and we, you know, we're so taught to be in our heads and not in our bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, I had years of foot problems that really were teaching me not only about my path and purpose, but how to use my feet to, uh, to take in information. And to so make how me- do you do that? Mm. The, I know very clearly how my feet say yes and how my feet say no. And yeah, anybody can do this. Like I, and it can be as simple as just, you know, just getting in kind of a, a little bit of a mindful state and asking your feet, how do you want, how do you desire to tell me? Yes. Cause I think speaking in your bodies in the language in which your body's most fluent is always the best thing. My feet will essentially root into the ground with a yes. And my toes will, will curl with a no. And that's an expression in our language too. When something's icky, we say it makes our mm-hmm. toes curl. And so starting with those yes, no conversations with your body is the most, I think the most helpful place to go. And I love using the feet because it's the furthest point from your head. And when you have to get out of your head, like when, even with my heart and every, like I, I, and I'm, I have an Aries sun and an Aries moon, like I've, and I've got Mercury and Chiron and Aries all in my 10th house. So I can really be, I can be very heady mm-hmm. <laughs> about all of this. And so for me, when I'm not clear on something, I can go straight to my feet. This is fascinating. Cause that's what, that's always the quickest route into the body. I always have people get into their feet. That's what I use when I'm in an emotional wave, get into my feet. Yeah, and I, I can think make it, the emotional wave last five minutes because of that. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's where we, if we think about the Pisces feet and Aquarius rules the calves. So, you know, Aquarius is the water sign of the water bearer, water vessel, and your calves are shaped like water vessels. Yeah. And that you're, you know, through your, and that we're really grounded in water. You know, we're not so like, we always think about being grounded in dirt, but I think being grounded in water is... I find it's often more helpful for people mm-hmm. to, or to know that they can be really grounded in any element, that it's not about always about being on the dirt and that, but through that water, that's where we pull in the amrit, you know, the nectar of the gods and the fountain of youth energy that we pull that in through our feet to fill up our Aquarian vessels and Aquarius being our inner technology yeah, I think that that's, there's so much wisdom to be pulled in through our feet that we're at least collectively not really tapping into. And there's even a part of the uh, Tao Te Ching that says something to the effect that the Tao lives in a vessel. You know, that's where our wisdom, that's where we know the, where we find the way. Mm-hmm. All right. I could keep talking to you for months uh, and <laughs> I want so to, but we need to wrap this episode up. 
So everyone's going to want to work with you. Can you help people release their vagus nerve remotely? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you go to my website, which is my name, melanieweller.com, if you scroll to the bottom, which isn't very far, sign, put in your email address, it will send you a free vagus nerve decompression course where you can evaluate and treat yourself for the fundamentals of it. And if you need help beyond that, you can absolutely reach out to me. My contact information is all over the website. You are amazing. Holy cow. You blew my mind. I'm so excited that I get to keep talking to you after we wrap this up. (laughs) (laughs) This has been so fun, Kelsey. I've absolutely loved this. I love it when I can uh, free flow into the woo. And I love that that you have that audience. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) You're amazing. I love you. Uh, Thank you so much, Kelsey. This has been so fantastic. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. And for those of you who are wondering, I tried Melanie's rotation exercise and it's, it's linked in the show notes. So you can try it too. No problem flipping from back to front on in either direction, but I totally cheated going from my front to my back. So I'm going to work on that. I just, I'm one of those people that anytime there's any new exercise that I learn about, I have to try it right now. So that's me. Maybe you don't feel that same urge. I'm a weird one. Okay. So Melanie was amazing. Make sure you sign up for her email list, do all the things. And, um, she's got that Vegas nerve decompression YouTube video. When you sign up for her email, that's fascinating as well. Just if you want to keep going down this rabbit hole, And if you want to work with me, remember you can book a human design session, a reading, an individual reading, and a partner reading at kelseyabbott.com slash human design. And if you want a soul magic session, like I talked about before we got started in this episode, one where Tina and I work together with you to clear all of that stuff that's keeping you on the struggle bus, go to kelseyabbott.com slash soul dash magic. It's all happening for you. I love you. You are a miracle and you are magical. Go forth and be awesome.